Happy Father's Day. You're listening to The Riverwalk, a preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we're going to continue our series on the book of James. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible this morning, we are going to continue looking through the book of James, and this chapter could not have come through a A more perfect time, I don't think. I think it applies today to this Father's Day, to Vacation Bible School this week, and to this Lord's Day. I couldn't have planned it any better. And I don't believe that I planned it, by the way. I believe that it came directly from the Lord Himself. So we've been going through the book of James. What is believed to be the oldest book in the New Testament. What is believed to be written by the half-brother of Jesus Himself. A very practical book, nuts and bolts of Christian living, you might say. A book that is truly about Christian humility, and we'll read about that more today, and next week you'll really see it. It's really, we kind of themed it around James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. We want to be lifted up this Father's Day. Going back over the last two weeks, chapter 1 is the introduction. And he wrote about counting it all joys when we fall into trials and temptations. Not trusting in riches and being doers and not only hearers of the word. Last week we talked about chapter 2. And he wrote about not showing partiality or prejudice towards anyone. Rich or poor, black or white, just treating everybody in our assembly the same. He wrote about a true faith. And a true faith is followed by works every single time. That is what the Word says. He wrote that faith without works is dead. Like I said, today is appropriate because James shifts his focus not only on what we do, but on what we say and about how we say it. We, wrote, we said all that last week, but really I kind of question that we need to ask ourselves, well, if faith without works is dead, what kind of works needs to follow faith? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to talk? How should my life be different? And James gets into that today in chapter 3. It's appropriate because he talks about teachers and he talks about wisdom. Let me ask you this morning, what is a dad? What is a dad to you? Judy's saying it very appropriately just now, but what is a dad? You know, a father, I think we can all agree, even though it's 2021 and some may disagree, but a father is somebody that we share DNA with. Anybody, anybody that is is a man really can be a father. But when it comes to our dads, when it comes to our dads, I think our dads are our first teachers. Our dads is who we gain wisdom from. Our dad is often who we mimic. And whether good or bad, almost everybody would agree, dad has a huge role in how their children will turn out. That's why in James chapter 3, verse 1, why I think it's so very appropriate today, he writes, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Notice the word we in there. He says we. So I want you to understand what James is not saying. He says, he's including himself in this. He says, we, we. So nobody is able to be perfect. We can't be perfect, but we can be perfect. 
careful. But something I want you to understand from this. He says, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So understand this this morning, Dad. Understand this this morning, vacation Bible school teachers, Sunday school teachers, and everybody here. That God views his teachers as an extremely, an extremely important asset. Dads, I want you to understand this. And children too, your dad is more than a great hunter. Your dad is more than a great farmer, more than a great mechanic, more than a great barbecuer. Your dad's your mentor. Your dad is your teacher. And that's an incredibly important role. And James hits on that. Like, hey guys, this is important. You're taking on this role of a father or a role as a teacher. And God views it as so important that we're going to receive a stricter judgment. But it's not just dad the teacher. It's more than that. The preacher teacher, my job. The Sunday school teacher. The vacation Bible school teacher. Your work mentoring the next generation is crucial. Absolutely crucial to God's plan. Now let me say this this morning. Well, in its context, I don't want to take it out of context this morning. I believe that it's speaking about church leadership. I believe he's talking about, you know, a preacher, really. But I do believe that it's true for all of us, for we are all, every one of us as a Christian, we're all teaching and we're all mentoring someone. Now look, as, as somebody as young as, as my son, Jeremiah, and as somebody as young as Adam's youngest son, John Randall, even right now, even right now, as young as they are, John Randall is mentoring Jeremiah. It starts that early. As a Christian, we are all teaching and we're all mentoring someone. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, what's expected of us as Christian teachers? What's expected of us as Christian fathers? What's expected of us as Christian mothers, as Christian mentors? How are we to teach and how are we to learn? Who are we to trust? And James starts getting into it very in depth in the next, throughout the rest of the chapter. He says, indeed, in verse 3, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey, to obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So, you see, James, first off, he said how valuable and how important a teacher is. 
And then he goes on and he says something else is very important, something else is very dangerous, and that is that little thing that's inside your mouth, the tongue. It's a warning of how we speak. Our tongue does the speaking, so be careful what you say. I assure you, dads and teachers, your children are hanging on to your every word. Not only are they listening, they are remembering your every word. They're doing even more than that. They begin mimicking your every word. And if you think about it, you ought to go back in James chapter 1. He, al- he already wrote about this, how important this was, being slow to speak. Being slow to speak. If you don't believe your children are listening, you would be just very, very surprised. Jeremiah this week heard the podcast and he said, Dad, why are you preaching about me? Because my middle name is James. Even as young as he is, he's listening and he is remembering how his dad, how his teacher is speaking. And this week throughout Vacation Bible School, these children are going to be remembering what you're saying and how you're saying it. And me and Carissa, when we first started dating, we laughed about how her father said certain words. If y'all know Mac, he doesn't say burrito. He says burrita. If you know my father, he doesn't say yellow. He says yellow. And these kind of things we pick up. But we also pick up the negative and we pick up the positive. So listen, we're to be careful. This is something that should follow our faith how we speak, because the tongue is so very powerful. It's powerful, so use it wisely. He said in verse 4, look at the ships. These ships, they're so huge and they're so large. They're driven by fierce winds, but they're turned by a very small rudder. Wherever that pilot wants to go, it's that powerful. That tongue in your mouth is so powerful. Not just what you speak, but how you speak matters. Our speech should be opposite of the world. A common question, even from a a little boy, is about these curse words. Does it really matter if if I curse or not? Whether they're listed in the Bible or not, let me just tell you this morning. I read this, and I just want to tell you the words that the world uses. They are not acceptable in the life of a Christian. Not because there's a list of banned words in the Bible, but because our tongue reflects the voice of Jesus himself. The vocabulary of Christ is different than the rest of the world. And listen, it's important that you know this because we're all teachers. And this next generation is watching for somebody that is speaking different and talking different than the world. But it's not just things like curse words. I wish it was. I really wish it was because you know what? Somehow, some magical way, a kid talks different amongst his peers than he does inside the church house. Somehow we're able to control the way we speak next to the preacher, but then when we get somewhere else, we act like we can't control how we speak. The truth is, watching these words are pretty easy. But when it comes to other things like gossip and unverified truths, That's a little bit harder, but that's involved in how we speak too. Gossips and hearsay and unverified truth should never, ever come out of the mouth of a Christian. Listen, I want you to understand all the time. I've seen it from even when I was a little boy. People leave churches because of gossip and because of lies. Many times people don't leave a church because of truth. It's because of gossip and because of lies. Well, I heard that he or she is doing this, that he or she is going over there, and it's, it's not true. And rather than confront it, like Jesus says, confront it, people just leave. The tongue is dangerous. But more than just that, marriages, 
relationships, careers, families. Y'all know this. We don't even have to read the Bible to know this. We know that all the time these things are destroyed because of this unruly vessel called the tongue. So quite simply, quite simply, speak the truth. Nothing good happens from lying. But we read this, and I read this, and I've always read this, and it always looks so bleak. It always looks so horrible. It always, I read it, and it makes me scared to even talk at all. I mean, it's a very scary thing as a preacher to get behind the pulpit and try to preach truth from the Word after you read that first verse and saying, boy, you're going to be judged harsher. That's scary. It makes you want to be quiet. It makes you want to live like a monk. But there's some other things in this, in this passage that I want you to notice. Because the opposite is true, too. The very opposite is true, too. Sure, the tongue can do horrible things. Sure, it's very dangerous. Sure, the teachers may be judged more strict. But the opposite is true, too. Think about it. As he says in verse 4, look at the ships. They're driven by fierce winds, but they're turned by a very small rudder wherever who desires Wherever the pilot desires. Listen, while the tongue can do horrible things, it can do great things too. Thank you, dads, for using your tongue to build your children up, to build your wives up, to build the church up. Use your tongue. Your tongue is the most powerful thing in the body. So listen, use it for good. Use your tongue to say those three words that everyone wants to hear and nobody wants to say, I love you. Dads, don't hold those words back from your children. This Father's Day, two dads have went to be home. One very young and one older, Matt and, and Clifford Jewell. They had no idea two weeks ago that they'd be spending Father's Day with their Heavenly Father. And I, don't, I doubt they would want to come back, but if they did, those three words would probably be the first things out of their mouth, not only to their children, but to everybody. I love you. Dads, I just want to remind you, I want to encourage you, live like tomorrow will never come and use those three words frequently and often. Don't hold those three words back. Even harder than that, even harder than saying, I love you, how about we use that tongue to say, Jesus loves you. This week, there'll be students here There will be people coming to vacation Bible school that probably don't have a father in their life. Isn't it great that you could say like Judy sang a minute ago, Hey, I know a father that does love you. I know somebody that wants to have a relationship with you. I know somebody that is a perfect father and Jesus loves you. Man, your tongue has the power to do that. Let's use it. Be the pilot of your vessel and use it. Your tongue has the power to share your testimony with others. Use your tongue to share truth with others. Use your tongue to encourage others. If it's so powerful, why don't we use it for good? Use your tongue to instruct others and correct others. Use your tongue to ask for help, to ask for prayer when you need it. And above all, don't use your tongue as a mouthpiece for the devil. Because how does the devil speak? He speaks in lies. So I propose to you this morning, let's take an example from our dads. I can tell you most of the men I know here 
And most of the dads I know, they are bold and they are honest. I I think of Mr. John Powell. He's a perfect example of this. You might not like what he says, but you know he means it. Let's be bold and let's be honest and let's speak the truth in love. Let's use our tongue. Let's take an example for our dads and let's be bold and let's speak the truth in love. Something else we get from our dads, something else we get from our teachers, something else we get from our preachers, hopefully, is good old gospel wisdom. We learn from our teachers. And James goes into that in the rest of the chapter. He says in verse 13, he says, who is wise? Who's wise and has understand who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In the meekness, another word for humility. Let him show that his works, that he's not doing his works to be built up, that he's not being selfish, that he's not being prideful. Let him show that he really cares about you. The wise teacher is going to exhibit good conduct, but not out of wanting to be seen, rather than out of meekness. I want to encourage you, Christians and dads, you're already doing this, many of you, but lead and teach out of a love for Christ rather than out of a love for self. I used the example a few weeks ago. If I see my son in the road, I'm not going to run out there and pull him out because I want to be seen. I'm going to run out there and pull him out because I care about my son. Listen, children, I know sometimes it seems like dad's hard on you and you don't understand why he don't want you to go out and dress that way. Or you don't understand why he doesn't want you to go out and hang with that, hang out with that friend or why he doesn't want you to drink that drink that everybody else does. But I promise you, it's not because he wants to be looking like a great dad. It's because he cares about you. It's because he loves you. He's not doing it to be seen. He's not doing it to be the cool dad. As a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. He's not the cool dad for doing that. He's probably the dad that's looked at as harsh and the dad that's picked on. But out of meekness of wisdom, he cares about you. He loves you. And it should be the same for all of us. How do we know the difference? How do we know the difference if somebody is truly teaching and somebody really is is caring about you versus themselves? I'm glad you asked because James says it just plain as day in verses 14 through 16. He says, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, it's sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every every evil thing are there. That's what worldly wisdom looks like it could look like the pastor that comes and he preaches just to build his congregation numbers up while not caring about the sheep at all there's a demonic wisdom about in this world it's in our schools it's in our state houses sometimes it even makes its way into church houses and that's what it looks like wisdom that seeks selfish gain is demonic so be careful be careful Because it's so easy to fall into this trap. It's easy for you. It's easy for me. It's easy for the lost. We fall into this. And what does it come down to? It comes down to pride. Pride leads to sin 
and destruction every single time. So listen to your teachers, listen to your dad, but we should always ask the question, is this coming? Is this coming from someone that has a love for me or a love from themselves? We're taught we're told to be discerners. Now what does it look like in the life of a Christian? In verse 17 he says, "But, thank God for the but, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. What is it in a word? What's he describing here? He's describing humility. That's what godly wisdom looks like. You look at a father, you look at a vacation Bible school teacher, you look at a preacher, you look at a teacher, whatever you're looking at, that's what godly wisdom looks like. It's wisdom founded in Christian humility. Godly wisdom is pure. It's absolutely pure. It's undefiled. It's truthful. It's absolutely truthful. It's not somebody lying trying to build themselves up. It's not somebody lying trying to build their own agenda up. So many times today we, we watch politicians and they say something so different today than they said 8, 10, 20 years ago. Well, they're either lying now or they were lying then. And the truth is, that's not godly wisdom. I don't care whether it's Republican or Democrat. That's somebody that's using worldly wisdom for selfish game. That's not, that's not what godly wisdom looks like. Godly wisdom, pure, truthful, peaceable, gentle. And look at this. I think this is important to know. Willing to yield. Willing to yield. What does that mean? Willing to yield means willing to yield for the sake of the gospel. It doesn't mean that the person is willing to yield the gospel. It means they're willing to yield for the sake of the gospel. This last week, I don't know if any of you keep up with it, but this last week was the Southern Baptist Convention. 16,000 Southern Baptists were there. It was the largest business meeting that ever takes place every year. And they get together and they decide what is the best idea to take the gospel forth to the nations. Some agree with this way. Some disagree this way. Same as we had last week here. Whether we have Sunday night services or not, whether we meet at 10.30, 9.30, 8 in the morning, what it's about is spreading the gospel, and we must be willing to yield to do that. You're not being a very good teacher. You're not being a very good preacher if you're not willing to yield on little things like when and where and how we meet. It's about spreading the gospel. We can never yield on sin. We can never yield on the gospel. But we can yield with one another in how to spread the gospel. Full of mercy, it says. Full of mercy. That's what godly wisdom looks like. And it produces fruit. Full of mercy and good fruits. And it produces fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. One day, many years from now, maybe I'll be the oldest dad here. Maybe my children will be remembering me on a Father's Day like some of you are remembering your father or your grandfather today. I hope, oh, I hope, whenever they look back at Daddy's life, I hope that they see this godly wisdom in me. I hope they'll say, man, 
Dad was a good teacher. Dad was a good preacher. But I hope they'll say, man, Dad was a humble man. He, he was humble and he had this godly wisdom that was pure, that was truthful. He was peaceable. He was gentle. He was willing to yield for the sake of the gospel. He was full of mercy and his life produced fruit. Can your children say that about you? This week during vacation Bible school, will the children be able to say that about you? As we get ready to close today, let me address the question that some of you may be thinking. Well, does this apply to me? Does this apply to me? Because I'm not a dad. I'll never be a dad. I'm not a mom. I don't want to be a mom. I'm not, I don't have children around me. I have no intentions whatsoever of teaching in vacation Bible school this week. My time's came and it's gone. I'm old and I have nobody I'm teaching anymore. Does this apply to me? It's a valid question. Let me answer that this way. Yes, it absolutely applies to you because whether you're a teacher, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a vacation Bible school leader, what is this describing? This is describing a mature Christian. What James is saying is before you become a teacher, be a mature Christian. Before you become a preacher, be a mature Christian. Any godly leader, whether you're on death's doorstep, this applies to how we speak, how we conduct ourselves. That's the life of a mature Christian. Don't you want to be a mature Christian? I want to tell you, that's what God wants. When our perfect father looks down at us, he wants us to grow up. It says so. It says that God wants us to mature he wants us to not be on, on milk anymore. He wants us to be on the meat of the word. Just like I want to see my children. I love this age with my children, but I don't want them to stay like that forever. I want them to grow up. The time will come when I want to see them drive and when I want to see them get a job and go to college and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you, God wants that from you too. God wants you to grow up. He wants you to be mature. He wants that work to follow faith. Godly speech, godly conduct. It's the only two things that he really lists in here. How you talk and how you walk. But neither, neither of this can be accomplished without a relationship with Jesus. It just, it can't happen. Neither of this can be accomplished without a relationship with Jesus. You could be the best preacher in the world. You could get up here and you could stomp, you could hit, you could have great words. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, well, then it all comes back to you. And then it's all self-serving and that's not godly wisdom. You could be a great teacher. You could be a great father. But it, it all becomes about you or it becomes about your children. It doesn't become humility with Christ. So this morning, before we give the invitation, just a simple question. Are you humbly serving Christ? Or are you pridefully serving self? Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you'll resolve to live in humility and to watch what you say. Happy Father's Day again and have a great week.